Verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands, so that when even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his body were brought to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now that's interesting. Everything in us would say, yeah, yeah, that's not right. That's superstition. And then God would totally say, yeah, that's not right. That's superstition. Yet he's allowing it. He's allowing it. It was not uncommon for people in the ancient world to believe that if they had touched something, this holy person, then that thing was holy, right? Even the Catholics to this day, there's a reason why they're the, 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 road of, the root of Christ, right? The, the, the part of the crucifixion beam, the, 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 the shroud of Torin, okay? Like the spear that poked Jesus in the side somehow, and the people flock from all over the world to touch these things and believe that they'll be healed, and the bleeding statues of Mary, and, right? Like, even today, there's this idea that if they touched it, then it must be magical and holy too. What's, what's mind-blowing is that God is using this. That God is using this. He, he's, he's working with where they are. And, and remember, it's, he can, it, once you give your heart to Christ, he can correct your thinking. He can correct. But what he's doing is showing them that these are, these are the most holy men ever because it really is truly healing you. And then once you realize the power that they have, then you're more open to the words that they have to say. And then when you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes, and then all that stuff can... Now, I'm not saying that you have the right to go off and when you're preaching to witches and stuff like that, to embrace and accept their witchcraft-like ideas and say, well, when they accept the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can work that all out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that God did this powerful thing because God can do whatever he wants and he knows how he's going to work in these people's lives to further that on. Paul didn't make a choice to say, well, I'll be a witch to the witch and accept and bring them to Christ because that's basically what you have here. Uh, the Greek world was full of witchcraft or what is called magical texts and Ephesus was the heart of a lot of it. What God is doing is operating within their worldview. He's using the way that they think to help bring them to Christ. And then because he knows the future and he knows their hearts and he knows he can easily deal with that once they're surprised, then he's willing to do it and blah, blah, blah. So many reasons I have no idea because I'm not God. And so he's doing this. But what it does show is don't put God in a box. Now, you don't have the right to do these things and make these jumps and these conclusions on your own because then you're getting weird. But God can do that. God can do that. But some itinerant Jewish exorcists, yes, exorcists exist in other religions, even in Islam and voodoo and all that kind of stuff, invoked the name of Lord Jesus over those who were possessed by evil spirits, saying, I sternly warn you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now seven sons of a man named Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. Now, there's no record in any Jewish writings of a high priest in Ephesus by the name of Sceva. There's no record, which seems very unusual. Okay, Most likely, as a result, Luke is not saying that the high priest at that time was Sceva, but that this man Sceva is functioning like a high priest. That he could have just been... Remember, 
everything's not as regulated as smoothly and as legalistically as what we would like to think. Americans, we're obsessed with details and regulations and, and knowing every little information in books when you're a kid, like how does that work, right? That's not the ancient world. Most likely this is a guy who is a local, highly respected religious leader in the community and he, people are coming to him and they're treating him like he's a high priest with their faith and their sacrifice and that kind of stuff. And he's kind of a local shaman, for lack of a better word, in this area. And so it's not that he has the official title high priest or that he's functioned that kind of way, but that he's just the people going to him as if he is like one and he's functioning like that in a practical everyday relational sense, not in a regulated, official, ordained kind of a sense. And he has seven sons. He was a Jewish high priest who was doing these things. But the evil spirit replied to them, I know about Jesus and I'm acquainted with Paul, but who are you? Then the man who was possessed by the evil spirit jumped on them and beat them all into submission. And he prevailed against them so that they fled from that house naked and wounded. This became known to all who lived in Ephesus. So these sons of Sceva are not believers. They do not have the Holy Spirit. And they're going out and they're seeing Paul say, in the name of Jesus, and demons are leaving. And they're like, ooh, another magical phrase. Because in the Greek mindset, magic is a big thing. And rituals and incantations are the key to doing magic. And one of the things that they believe is that the name of gods or the names of spirits carry great weight and power. And if you can know the name and say it, it will give you power, like the fairy tale Rumpelstiltskin. It will give you power over them, maybe, or at least the ability to channel their power. This is one of the reasons that the Jews stopped pronouncing the name Yahweh, because they saw that the Greeks were using the name Yahweh as a magical incantation to channel the power of Yahweh to do things. Not that they were successful, but the Jews saw that as blasphemous, and rightfully so. And so they stopped pronouncing the name of Yahweh so that it would not be blasphemed in that kind of a way. And then the pronunciation got lost over time. And so now Jesus come on the scene, and they're like, ooh, new magical word. And we're seeing with our own eyes that this magical word is working. So they go to do it. And I can't imagine how freaky that would be when the demon-possessed man looks at you and says, I know Jesus. I'm acquainted with Paul. But who in the world are you? And then the demon-possessed man beat them the, the crap out of them. And you know, you know, you have lost a fight when you run away naked. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's not just they got their rear end whooped. They were stripped down by a demon-possessed man. Seven people were beaten up by one man, stripped down naked, and they ran for their lives. That's a humiliating, absolute defeat. Not even Muhammad Ali had that kind of a victory. Okay, The reality is they ran. And what this shows you is that God is not something to own or to be manipulated he is not a force of power in the universe for yours to use. His name is not an incantation. It is not a ritual. But there is power in the name of Christ. And if you understand name, name means character. And it communicates being and character and, and, and knowing them. 
And so I have personally experienced what it means to call in the name of Christ and demons to leave. Okay, I have seen that with my own eyes. I have spoken it with my own words. And, and I've seen the raw power. But in those moments, I was absolutely desperate and afraid and, and calling on Christ for help because I believed it was the only thing. And Christ showed up and responded. One of the greatest times of my joys of my life was my daughter was, I don't know whether it was her imagination or demonic attack at night. My guess was demonic attack because I think that's in my family. I experienced it, and so I became fearful because I know what I went through as a kid. And I remember I started teaching her how to pronounce, the, uh, how to say the name of Christ. I said, look, you've got to believe it, though. Yeah, and I know your faith is small, and you're a teeny little kid and that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying you have to understand Christ to the point that I do, but you have to at least believe that Jesus is the one coming to your rescue and saving you. And so we went out of town, and she stayed with our godparents. And... um. And when she came home, she, that, our godparents told us when we came in that that night the thing appeared to her again above the bed. And where before she would always be scared and come to our room and I would pray over her. And every time I prayed over her and said, and I got in the name of Jesus, don't come back. It would never come back again that night. And times that she didn't come to me, it would come back again. And, but she would always come to me. And so and she, it happened again at that house. And she finally got the courage enough to say it. And she said, in the name of Jesus, go away. And it went away. And she came down the next morning so excited to tell them. And she was so excited to tell me. And it was like, that was a huge, like, great moment as it got. Because there's that fear that there's going to be that cyclical patterns. And there's also, what a great knowledge for her to have to see that power of God already at that young of an age. And, and if it, what if it, I don't know, maybe it was her imagination. But for her, her as a little kid, that imagination was scary. And Christ still had power over her. And so in my end, I was like, God, I don't know if this is imagination or if it's something real demonic. But either way, you have power over both. And so there is real power in really truly experiencing Christ. We've seen this over and over again. But these people are divorcing the name from the person. And from the adherence to his character and from the obedience to his character and from most importantly, the relationship with his character. And they have used it like some Harry Potter magic wand incantation and it didn't work. And what this story so powerfully shows is that this is a gospel about a very real being called Jesus Christ, the God man. It is not about a system or an idea or a system of incantations that will get you what you want, like a 10-step process to, to become more successful at teaching or to lose weight or to quit smoking or something like This requires knowing God. And the fact that it specifically says, I know Jesus and I'm acquainted with Paul because he's over here using it in the right way. But I do not know you. But you know what's interesting, though? Once again, you can't put God in the box. You ever seen those ghost hunter shows? There's that weird Ohio book. Have you ever seen that in the book? Like there's weird Pennsylvania, weird Ohio. My wife used to work with a guy who was in charge of publishing the weird Ohio book. 
and he's a ghost hunter. I mean, he has like full blown like Ghostbusters EKGs and like Vogs and they monitors and they go to houses and and um, he showed my wife because when he found out she was a Christian, she mentioned some of these things about. Do you honestly believe these are ghosts? Do you think they could be like demonic things or other spirits? And he was like, oh yeah. And he showed her this video clip where they had that TV show Ghost Hunters. It got edited out. And um, they were interviewing some of them and they were talking about these guys and they're like, yeah, when ghosts show up, we're scared out of our minds. Like, they can do things. We've seen them do some scary things. And they're like, and they're like, well, what do you do to stop them? And they're like, there's nothing we can stop them. Um, but what we have found is sometimes we have called on the name of Christ and it has stopped. And they're not Christians. And so in some sense you have here like, I don't know you because you're using this as an incantation. But in other times, Christ is still doing something because this is him making himself known to them. Don't put God in a box. And what I would say is that you should not just use it as a magical incantation. This is about knowing God. And this is about clinging and depending upon Him as the only thing that can help you in this situation. Because you know Him. But for the non-believing world out there, He'll use any means necessary. I mean, within His character and moral reasons. But in the same way that cloaks and handkerchiefs were healing people, to a people who do not know the same way he does this. It's a testimony. But to someone who believes that they know God, like a Jewish high priest and his sons, and, and knows it's about a relationship, and knows and then tries to use his incantation, no, 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 no. God will not allow himself to be used that way. I think that's what it really comes down to, is when you know better and you know what this is, and then you turn him into a magical system, or a box, or a, a, a genie, or a lever. How dare you? But for the unbelieving world out there who has no concept of God and what this is, then it becomes another testimony to who he is. And it could be the very thing that brings him to him. There was this book called The, um, the Light That Was Dark. And these people did not believe in evil. They did not believe in bad spirits or that kind of stuff. And they were getting attacked. And they couldn't stop it. They tried all their crystals. They tried all their meditations. And they couldn't get it stopped. Um, um, and then they picked up the Beautiful Side of Evil book. I recommended that when we did a Compare Religions. And they read about her coming to Christ. And the, the husband, well, the, the live-in boyfriend, came back and said, I know this is really strange. And we don't believe in Jesus. And we don't believe in God. And we don't believe in evil. And we don't believe in demons but you're getting attacked night after night and we can't stop it. Let's just try this and see what happens. And they call in the name of Christ that night and it stopped the attack instantaneously, drove it away. And that is the thing that led them to Christ. And they didn't, but what they were doing was saying, we're desperate and we're going to trust in you for tonight and see if that works. And God says, it works because I am faithful for those who knock and for those who seek to come. And so this is what they're doing. These are Jews, and they should know better that they're using his incantation. Even a man having the crap beaten out of him to the point he's stripped down naked becomes a, a testimony to God. 
Because it says this, verse 17, This became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jew and Greeks, and fear came over them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. And many of those who had believed came forward confessing and making their deeds known. Jesus legitimized the power of who he really was as a real being through the failure of another group of people using his name in an inappropriate way. Because what the entire town was able to see was that when Paul, who preached Christ as a being, as a person that you can know and have a relationship with and save you, called on that name, it worked. But these people over here who did not know God and did not preach Jesus and did not cling to him in a relationship, tried to use the name, it didn't work. And they got the crap beaten out of them and the demons didn't respect them. And all that did in an indirect negative space kind of a way is reaffirm how real Jesus really is. And in a magic-oriented culture, what it's really emphasizing is magical incantations don't work, but the very real person of Jesus Christ does. This is about relationships. This is about a person. This is not about a system of thinking. And then what happened? Large numbers of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them up in the presence of everyone. When the value of the books was added up, it was found to be a total of 50,000 silver coins. In this way, the word of the Lord continued to grow and power and to prevail. This is a big deal. These are their magical texts. Magical texts were super expensive. They would often be passed down from generation to generation. This is pre-printing press. So we're talking about super expensive books to begin with. Then there are magical texts on top of that, which is even more expensive. They have magic part of them. They're incantations. These are the books that are going to give the people the ability to heal the ability to ward and protect themselves. So they're not just burning like some inappropriate smut like romance novel or something like that or some drug paraphernalia or something like that. They're burning super expensive books that probably cost years of wages to get passed down from family member to family member, have magical texts that are responsible for securing their checking accounts, um, their security systems on their house, for healing their doctors, they're the things that they believe that they cannot be healed or protected in any kind of way without these incantations, and they're getting burned. And this isn't just like a passionate youth group, go burn your like ACDC records after we had like a calling up to Christ and we're going to bulldoze over them as a like, yay. Or you can just go out and drop another like 10 bucks easily from your parents' wallet and buy it again if you want. We're talking about real, true, repent, burn, bury, no turning back. And the entire town comes together. And the amount of the books is the, if we assume these coins are drachmas, which there's a pretty good chance that they are, we're talking about 50,000 days worth of work's pay. 50,000 days worth of work's pay. So we're talking about an extraordinary amount of money. And, with, and they're burning it. And when it says that Jacob buried his idols and turned back to God, that's what we have here. That's what you have here. And so they come to God, and there's a huge revival. 
because someone falsely used the name of Christ and got the crap beaten out of him and God used it for his glory. Don't put God in a box. Don't put God in a box. So this is Paul. And this is God doing some amazing things in Ephesus. And, it, and, and Paul is showing that over this time he's getting discouraged. And after many years of things coming against him, and yet God is coming to him and encouraging him, and people are rejecting, and people are accepting, and, and some people are just coming to faith through being taught, and some people are coming to faith through miraculous things, and sometimes the Holy Spirit is coming on after baptism, sometimes before, and, and what it's just showing is nothing can stop the Word of God, and there is no this is the way that God always does it. Yet, there's still a very clear picture of who Jesus and God are in their character and in their works. And it's not all neat and clean like we would like it to be. 